Welcome to Beijing's Daily News. Today is the 1st of September 2022. We'll be covering the three types of Web3 digital identity, crypto social applications, on-chain gaming, and optimal tokenomics for a healthy ecosystem. Let's get to it. On September 1st, Bankless published an article titled "The Decentralized Identity Revolution" to talk about decentralized identity in the Web3 world. Today's digital identity systems have glaring problems. Centralized entities control who and how we can access the world. We have password fatigue from tracking too many accounts, and the organizations controlling this data are giant honeypots for cybercrime. But encryption and blockchain are changing this state. Functionally speaking, the critical difference in the decentralized identity revolution is that ownership of your online identities is no longer account-based and provided for you by a middleman. Instead, it is digitally shared connection that all parties of the relationship commit to maintaining over time, reflecting the types of direct relationships we have in the real world. Three ways of identity are mentioned in the article: proof of personhood projects, verifiable credentials. And most recently, soulbound tokens. Proof of personhood protocols are probably the least ambitious of decentralized identity projects. As its name suggests, these projects try to do one thing and one thing only: proving identity uniqueness. Popular examples include Proof of Humanity, Bright ID, and Idena. SBTs can be simply thought of as a permanent and non-transferable token on a public blockchain. Like the popular World of Warcraft video game that co-authors borrow the soulbound metaphor from. At the end, the author concludes: In all likelihood, an archipelago of different digital identity solutions would exist for different purposes. Whatever identity setup is settled on would differ based on what purposes it is built for. Deeply personal information, like a person's medical status, would likely not to be stored on as on-chain soulbound token. Whereas it might be more suitable for other cases, like a person's criminal history. On August the thirtieth, Variance Investment Partner Mason Nierstrom tweeted about wallet-to-wallet messaging. Here are his main points: Most crypto community messaging happens on platforms like Slack, Discord, Twitter, Reddit, etc., because there's no easy way to communicate between wallets. Standardized wallet-to-wallet messaging can enable. One, generalized communication between wallets and users. Two, social between NFT communities and asset ownership. Three, crypto-native comms based on on-chain events. Four, Slack-like cross-community communication. Sociographs and wallet providers that adopt these communication and messaging protocols will have the foundational components for consumer social application. How messaging protocols capture value is another question. Obviously, there's value in messaging. Telegram, Signal, Kick, Viber, and WhatsApp are worth billions because of the users, not because of the revenues. And it's clear that wallet-to-wallet messaging is valuable, but will it similarly be a commoditized layer on Web3? The market for Web3 messaging will be massive. More importantly, new messaging protocols enable new apps. Think of IRC in 1980s or SMS in the year 2000. And now, social and mobile apps from 2010. The future of 2020 to 2030 is worth imagining. On August 30th, Alex Chen of Vault Capital wrote a report titled "The Future of On-Chain Gaming." The following is the essence of the content: 
On-chain gaming is an example of a paradigm shift crypto brings to traditional gaming. Game designs are driven by their constraints, with execution bound by gas costs. Current iterations of on-chain gaming are typically turn-based RTS games, or rather known as real-time strategy games. Through advancements in blockchain infrastructure and scalability, genres like massive multiplayer online battle arenas and first-person shooters can now be built fully on-chain, unlocking on-chain multiplayer online gaming at scale. The ability to bring highly interactive games on-chain adds mainstream appeal and attracts a broader audience to the existing on-chain gaming ecosystem, onboarding a generation of new gamers new to crypto. Building games on-chain brings transparency and strong immutability guarantees while also providing the ability to customize. By transforming core gameplay and functionality into hyperstructures, developers can build games with compositability and customizability as first-class citizens and take a decentralized, community-first approach to development and growth. Bring Gaming on-chain also provides communities with a toolbox of crypto-enabled governance primitives. Decentralized governance allows players to participate and have a voice in the development of games. Users will be able to participate in gameplay balancing and adjustments, with votes and proposals enabled through governance tokens. Crypto also offers games a robust and composable digital identity. For example, Steam has a thriving ecosystem where players customize their profiles and self-organize into communities based on shared interests or games. On August the 31st, Forward Analytics partner at Mr. McGavin Lowe tweeted some suggestions for tokenomics. The first is why tokenomics are needed. Web3 companies, when issuing their own tokens, have to set their own supply schedule, which affects the scarcity and distribution of the tokens. Supply and demand will then determine the price. What tokens can be used for, such as capital raising, governance voting rights, medium of exchange, bootstrap network security, marketing incentives, programmable smart contracts, and if done correctly, Tokenization allows projects to take advantages of the future revenue growth of the company and convert it into marketing incentives for growth strategies without using current cash flow. Another point about tokenomics is about how much of the token is being allocated to who. Where public sale allocation decreases, ecosystem incentives increases. Data shows that founders and investors have on average 32%, while foundation have on average 11%. Optimal vesting approach is considered a vesting schedule that produces the least negative price impact on vesting days and the lowest token volatility over the course of the vesting period. To continue hearing more, please subscribe to bishingventures.substack.com for daily newsletter and follow Twitter account bishingventures to hear the rest. This is Celine from Bishing Ventures. Thank you for listening and we will see you tomorrow.